I'm going to continue um, our series that we're on, uh, Short Stories. I'm going to continue continue our series. And so if you want to turn, actually you can turn back actually where we were last week in, in Luke 15. If you want to just hold your place in Luke 15. Um, and we're going to start back over there. Last week, Pastor Todd preached on the prodigal son. Uh, just to recap quickly without reading the whole story again. Uh, uh, the prodigal son, obviously a, a, a wealthy man, had two sons. His younger son came to him. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, son came to him and said, Hey, listen, I want my wealth now, my inheritance, so I can go. The dad, you know, was, was brokenhearted, but he gave, he split his inheritance, gave it to the younger son, and, um, he went off and he, he blew the money on, on, uh, like they say, wine, women, and song. You know, they, he went into the world and blew it. He lived a sinful lifestyle, came back after he was, you know, found himself starving in the pigs, been the food that he was feeling, feeding the pigs looked good. And he said, man, you know, he, he, the Bible says he came to his senses. He turned back, went to his father's house. And while the Bible says he was a long way off, his father saw him, came with open arms, embraced him, a heart full of compassion, kissed him, and welcomed him back in. And this is a picture of us, whether it be those of us that were completely lost and the father we turned and the father, you know, welcomed us back in. Maybe some that have been in church. It's also a great picture. You have the father. You have two sons in the house, two sons in church, so to speak. God being our heavenly father, two sons you maybe have backslidden or you know someone that you're praying for. It's, that's an encouraging scripture uh, story. If you know someone that knew the Lord and they went away and they're still in the world right now to pray for them. I've prayed that often that they would come to their senses and come back to the Lord. Um, so that was last week through the prodigal son. Just a quick recap. Pastor Todd showed us how we all have a bent towards evil. Uh, he also talked about how there are consequences for rebelling against God and God's laws. Uh, also, the, the third thing he talked about is that there's power in repentance. Amen. How many of y'all know this power in repentance? I remember him saying that repentance is one of his favorite words in the Bible. And then the third thing, as I just explained, is that we serve a wonderful and loving father. Today, we're actually going to focus on the second part of that parable. We're going to focus on the older brother uh, and, and, and we're going to pick up the story from whenever the prodigal son got back home. So in Luke 15, I'm going to start reading in verse 25. Luke 15, 25 says, <clears throat> Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. And yet when this son of yours comes back from squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and now he's found. Father, we thank you for your word, and we just ask that you help me, Lord, to expound on your word. Anoint me with a fresh all of your anointing. Anoint the ears of the hearers and the hearts to receive what it is that you have to say today and to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
The parable, uh, really, the parable inside of the parable of the older son is really like part two of the prodigal son. Um, you know, the, the, the text implies that the older brother uh, was a good son. You know, he never really caused any trouble. He was probably what, what Dr. James Dawson would call the compliant child. Right. He didn't really do anything from the story. I mean, he's never really done anything wrong in his life. You know, uh, because of his younger brother's action, uh, he, too, actually received inheritance. The Bible says he split the inheritance. So he got the inheritance, too. But the Bible doesn't tell us how the, the older brother felt about this. However, it does tell us how he felt about the news that he got secondhand, that there was a celebration going on because his wayward younger brother had returned, which should have been good news to the older brother actually turned out to be bad news and became very angry and refused to even go into the celebration. The example of the older brother's parable, which actually Jesus was, it was, it was the Pharisees that he was talking to. The Pharisees, the older brother was the Pharisees at the time is he, who he was referring to in this story, but once again has implications for us, shows us a few things. There's a few things that, that we can learn uh, from just looking at this story from the older brother's perspective. Number one, the first thing we can see is unseen sin. It's unseen sin in our life. You know, I know last, last week, Pastor Todd uh, talked about sin and, and what sin costs us and, and our bent towards evil, like I talked about. But we looked at the prodigal son's blatant sin. It was very easy to see the prodigal sin because he went out and, and spent his money on prostitutes and getting drunk and his rebellion towards his father, his ungratefulness to just demand his inheritance. Now, that was easy to see. You know, if he's the, the older brother was a compliant child, the, the, you know, the younger brother was the rebellious, selfish child. Like I said, because older brother got his inheritance and he still stayed at home. He didn't take off. He stood there and was like, okay, I got it. But he was still home. So we looked at the blatant sin, but but through through the eyes, I mean, through the, the story of, of the older brother, we can see hidden sin. This, this part of the parable is important because it shows us how conditions and circumstances reveal sin in our lives that we didn't know was there. Amen? Stuart, the only one that really believes that. That there's, how many believe that there's hidden sin in our lives? And it's even hidden from us. I'm not saying that we're hiding it from people, but it's even hidden from us. Like David prays, show me the sin that's inside of me, the, the unknown sin. There's sin in us that, that, you know, we don't even know we have. Look again at verses 28 and 29. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do anything you told me to do. In other words, he says, listen, dad, I've been a good boy. I've been a good boy. I haven't been this, this sinful, rebellious pervert like your younger brother. I've been a good boy. But his response showed that he had some sin lurking inside of him, which we'll look at in a little bit. We'll look at two specific ones in a little bit. The parable of the prodigal son and the older brother is partly aimed, again, at revealing how circumstances and conditions Bring out sin in us that we have never dreamed we would do. We might say, man, we would, I would never do that. Or I don't see how that person did that. Listen, I like this quote. Someone said, the reason there are so many Josephs out there is because they haven't run into Potiphar's wife yet. Amen. In other words, you may think, man, I would never do that. But you're not exactly sure until you're going to face, you face that circumstance. Amen. 
Until you get into that circumstance, we know the Bible says, be careful, think you stand unless you fall. Don't, don't ever say, I'd never do that. I've heard Pastor Todd say himself, he's told the staff in the church, I'm capable of that and even more if sin goes unchecked in my life, right? So just to say that, unseen sin, circumstances and situations, things that happen in our life reveal sin that we didn't even know was there, as with the prodigal son. You know, he had, he thought he was a good boy. He thought he was doing all the right things. He thought, you know, he was, until when his brother gets home and his dad totally forgives him, he realized there's all this ugly sin beginning to come out, which we're going to look at in a minute. You know, as I was studying, I was reminded of a time, uh, you know, when, when, uh, you know, me and, me and Cassie, I don't know, probably about, I don't know, five, six years ago. I'm not exactly sure how, when, but, you know, uh, I had been a Christian for, for uh, quite a while and, and uh, uh, I can remember exactly where I was, what I was doing. And me and Cassie were on the phone and um, we got into a uh, heated disagreement, should I say. Any of y'all had, ha- has had one of those before with your spouse? Um, we, we got into an argument and I was, I was pretty heated. I was pretty upset. When we hung up the phone, I was so upset we hung up the phone and I said something that I didn't even know was in there anymore. Y'all tracking with me? Can we be real in church? And, and you know what? The circumstance of, of, of the disagreement, the argument with my wife revealed that there was some sin lurking inside that I thought, man, I've been saved. I've been born again. I've been washed with the blood, but that thing was lurking. And it took one circumstance. It took a condition to, to, to bring it out of me. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how your spouse sometimes has the great gifting of doing that, right? So that's a whole nother thing. Remember marriage conference, August 29th, the marriage you've always wanted. So if that's happened frequently in your life, then uh, I, I encourage you, it's worth the $35 to come, right? But it's true. You know, I thought about the scripture too, where, where you know, the Lord uh, said that sin is crouching at the door, but you must master it. Sin, there's some sin lurking inside, hidden, and there's some sin that's just crouching, waiting for you. You must master it, though. You, in other words, you know, you, you need to get free. You need to not let it go unchecked in your life. See, the main thing is, is that we have to make sure that we're honest with ourselves. It's hard for me to get up here and, and tell you that story about my wife. Matter of fact, I was typing it out, and I was like, I don't know, should I? And I'm like, you know what? I'd rather be real and transparent, right? I, I know I don't have it all together. I need help. This message is for me, Amen. And so, but it, but when you realize it, like, man, this, I got this issue stirring in me. I have this thing that I didn't know was in there, but then it came up. And it's just like, man, it, it might be a lot of issues. It could be, you know, you were financially secure. And then all feels started going on. You might have lost your job or take a major pay cut. And you might have thought you had major faith or whatever like that. Or, you know, uh, and, and, and there might be something where you begin to worry or you begin to want to cut corners or maybe not report everything on those taxes. But you would have never thought about that if it wasn't for the circumstance. Are y'all tracking with me? Are we good? Are y'all, y'all, y'all with me? So the, 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 the parable of the older brother shows us some unseen sin, how circumstances and situations can bring about unseen sin in our life that we don't even know is there. If it comes, if it comes out, don't try to stuff it back in there. Deal with it. Amen. Repent. Ask the like Pastor Todd talked about last week. There's power in repentance, right? Whether it's blatant sin like the prodigal or unseen sin that gets revealed like the older brother, there's power in repentance. Repent and so times of refreshing can come. Amen? Now let's look at the two, number two. We're going we're gonna to look at two specific sins that were in the older brother. And the first one was self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. Look at Luke 15, 29 and 30. 
All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? Matter of fact, who in this story, who you think was the most, who's the most upset, the most mad, the most sad person whenever the prodigal got back? Who was it? No, the fattened calf. He was the most upset. <laughs> the older brother was angry that his father would forgive such a sinner when he had worked so hard to do everything right. I've been doing everything right. And yet the sinner's, your, your, your son's going to, you notice he didn't even refer to him as his brother. That always sticks out. This son of yours. He was so disgusted and thought himself so much better than his brother. He wouldn't, that, that's, you know, you ever heard this? I, I disowned him. You're no longer a brother because he was such a sinner. That self-righteousness rolled up and said, I've done everything right. And you're going to, you're going to forgive him. Yet this son of yours comes back and you're going to forgive him. You know, a lot of times in church, we do the same thing. Let, let me use the example, especially of a prodigal. Let's say there's, there's someone that got saved around the same time as you. That person falls away, goes back into the world, does all kind of crazy stuff. But the Lord draws him back. He comes to his senses. He gets back in church. He starts seeking the Lord. And you see God pouring out blessings upon him. I've seen it. I've, I've seen how people think like, man, how, you know, well, he's going to have to be kind of on the outskirts for a while until, you know, he proves himself that he's, he's serious about serving the Lord. Now, come on. You ever heard anybody say that? I want to see if he's serious. You know, we, we put these standards like, listen, I've been, I've been serving the Lord for, for 13 years now. So if you're going to come, you, you better make, I want to make sure you say, y'all know I'm serious. I mean, come on, I'm up here preaching, right? I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious now. You know, that just because I'm up here preaching don't mean I can't fall tomorrow, right? If we, we take a self-righteous posture like, I, I can't believe God would forgive. I can't believe the pastor's going to let him back in. I can't believe, listen, I'm just as guilty as this. You know, Jesus told another parable. Uh, a couple chapters before in Luke where he deals with this self-righteousness specifically. Once again, addressing the Pharisees, Luke 18 and, uh, verse 9 says, Then Jesus told this story to, to some who had, listen to this, who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. I like some translation says he prayed to himself. And that's more accurate. I thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like everyone else. For I don't cheat. I don't sin. I don't commit adultery. You lie. You lie. You lie. I'm certainly not like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance, didn't even dare to lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh, God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you this, not the Pharisee returned home justified before God. Wait, let me see. For I am... Instead, he beat his chest and said, oh God, be merciful, I'm a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, return home justified before God. He said, those that exalt themselves will be humbled. Those that humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus, right before this, again, was talking to the Pharisees about their self-righteousness. And listen, for those of us that have been in church longer, this sin could definitely creep up in our lives. 
Well, we think that we've arrived, we've been saved so long, we read our Bibles every day, we pray, we've never fallen into adultery, we've never looked at pornography, we've never gotten drunk, or since we got saved, never went back. You, you gotta be careful, you have to, let me, let me encourage you, you have to guard yourself against self-righteousness. Because you know what, self-righteousness is the enemy of compassion. Let me say that again, self-righteousness is the enemy of compassion. How do I know this? Because it's happened in my life. And it's amazing because for me, it, I saw it more and I still, I, I see it, I can see it in my own life trying to creep up, but especially when I first got saved. See, when I first got saved, I got radically saved. You know, God delivered me from, y'all have heard my testimony of drugs and alcohol, of, you know, all that, all that lifestyle, all that stuff the prodigal was doing. I got radically saved. So I came in here and I started working with, with youth and, and I started noticing the youth or even some church people that just, to me in my eyes, I'm not saying this is accurate, but in my eyes, they were dabbling in sin. They were dabbling in the world. And I, man, I became so judgmental of them. And it, it was justified to me because I was like, man, you know, they don't understand they, if what's in the world. If they knew what was in the world, they wouldn't be doing that. Jesus paid the ultimate price. And I, I really, and, and once again, it's been a blessing. My wife she called me on it. She said, you, you, you begin to be real, real critical. You become like a Pharisee. And I'm like, there ain't no way I'm a Pharisee. There's no way. You know, but she was putting the mirror up what was going on. And, and that, that went on for a while. Amazing thing happened. One morning we were supposed to have a prayer meeting, a youth prayer meeting, and nobody showed up. I don't know who was supposed to show up and unlock the doors. I wasn't on staff yet. So I showed up at six o'clock in the morning. And nobody was here. Pulled on the doors. Nobody was here. Waited a few minutes outside the door. And it's like, well, nobody's showing up. Well, let me jump back in the truck and I'm going to listen to a sermon on the radio before I have to go to work. And there was a guy who was on the radio. One of, he was one of my favorite at the time. Don't you know that morning he was talking about being a Pharisee and how we have Pharisees in our church. And I just got so convicted. And the Lord began to reveal to me all these things I was saying and doing, my attitude and posture to, towards others. How many of y'all know that the Lord could use a canceled prayer meeting to speak to you? Amen. Don't put God in a box. He, 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 he it was very powerful that day. And I, I begin to see in my, myself how I was becoming like this Pharisee, like this older brother, this self-righteousness. I'm like, who am I? You know why? Because self-righteousness makes us feel like that we are worthy by works and not by grace. We must never forget that we are sinners and only by God's grace, mercy, and love we were restored to him. See, there was no work that we could do to get saved. So, so there, there, in our works, we can't boast in that and act like we're better than somebody, right? We're all the same. We gotta, we gotta guard against self-righteousness. Listen to this scripture and then I'm gonna move on. Titus 3, 4 and 5 says this. But when God, our savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. You get that? Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of the mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. That Titus, you can leave that up. He says, it's because of his mercy. He washed away our sins. He gave us a new birth through the Holy Spirit. Is there anything about us in there? Of how we got saved and forgiven? Not at all. It's all God's doing, right? The only thing we do is make a choice to believe, right? To believe and surrender. And the Lord, he's the one. He did it over 2,000 years ago. So we see this and we got to make sure that we guard against self-righteousness. Amen. Are y'all relating with this? Can you can you see a little Pharisee in you sometimes? Or have you seen it? Yes. Amen. Okay, good. Good. 
The third thing, which is the second real, uh, the, 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 uh, one of the blaring things that, that were in the, the older brother's life was jealousy. Was jealousy. We saw the un, unseen sin was self-righteousness and next was jealousy. Look at Luke 15, 29 and 30. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. Listen to this. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back from squandering the money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. He basically said, you never gave me, but you gave him. That's jealousy. The brother got something that I never got. I wanted that. Now, he said, not even a young goat. I would have taken the fattened calf for sure, but I'd have been happy with a young goat. You never even give me a young goat. How did they get blessed with that? And I didn't. You know, we wouldn't have known the older brother was a jealous person if it wasn't, again, because of the circumstances that it, come, that it came out. When he encountered this, the jealousy came up to the surface. See, many of the parables of Jesus were given to reveal to us who we really are. Right? See, that's what, that's what the Bible talks about. James talks about that the Bible is like a mirror. You know, we, we think we're good, but when you pick up the Bible, you begin to read, and you begin to read a parable like this, you're like, ooh, yeah, that's, that, that's who I really am. Or a circumstance, if, even if you don't read your Bible at all or often, the Lord will use a circumstance or a situation to reveal that maybe that we're self-righteous or some jealousy. See, our sense of fairness is never keener than when someone else is receiving special recognition or a blessing. Remember that it was jealousy that led to the first murder in human history. Cain killing Abel. It was jealousy. His brother got something, you know, that, that, that he didn't get. He got the recognition, the blessing of the Lord, and he didn't. It was jealousy that led to the first murder in human history. So let's do a little self-evaluation right now. When someone else gets recognition, for something, do you ever think, well, why them? Why her? Why him? Why are they? Why? Why? Why is Pastor Ty calling them out from the, to bless them? Why? Why? I seen what they did last week. Why are they getting the recognition? See, that's that self righteousness coming in and producing some jealousy. What about? Let me ask you this: What if somebody gets blessed with something that you've been desiring? That's where it's at. That's where the rubber meets the road right there. When something you weren't really desiring and somebody else gets it and instead of you or not you, that's when you really have to, have to realize and, and check yourself and say, okay, why are these, why am I angry? Why are these feelings coming up? Chances are if you're angry, it's because you're jealous. Right? I'm guilty as charged, yo. I'm, I am guilty. If, if that, if that screen could, you know, roll my life, I would be running out of this building right now. You know, I am guilty. Listen to what Romans 12, 15 says. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Somebody said, sometimes it's easier to find somebody to weep with you than it is to find somebody to rejoice with you. Right? That, that's a telltale sign. Somebody getting recognition or getting blessed with something else. That jealousy rises up in us can rise up in us. We got we to gotta guard against, against jealousy. We got to truly rejoice, truly be happy for that person, right? Truly do that. And this, is, this brings it home. And then I, once again, I'll move on from this one. James 13, 15 says this, for jealousy 
and selfishness are not not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It gets even worse. It it goes like, it, it, it digresses. It's earthly, yeah, unspiritual, then demonic. That's the root of jealousy. You're allowing the enemy to work in you when you get jealous of someone else, especially your brothers and sisters. Let me tie these two things in. Let's say a prodigal walks back in those doors and just been back in church for a few weeks and you see God begin to pour out his blessings on him. And you think because, or we think because he's been gone so long, whatever, he doesn't deserve that blessing. You think you may deserve it because of the self-righteousness, then you get jealous that he got it. Right. That's what was going on with the older brother here. Remember, it's a picture of us. Remember, this is the Pharisees he was talking to. They thought that they, you know, because they, they did keep the law to the T on the outward. They're like, how could the father ever, you know, do that? How could he ever let the prodigal come back? And, and Pastor Todd broke all that down uh, last week. We got to be careful to guard against jealousy. And there's one other thing I want to look at from this um, from this this part of the parable. The fourth thing that I want to look at today, that we see, and I, this, this is probably what stuck out, it stuck out to me first through reading through this text as I was beginning to prepare for this. The fourth thing is that you don't have to work for your father's approval. You don't have to work for your father's approval. Look at Luke 15, 28 and 29, it says this. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and you never once, and I never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. Not, he said, I didn't refuse to do not one thing. I did everything for you, dad. I did everything. I never refused to do anything for you at all. He, he's, he's, he's trying to get his dad's approval and show this by the things he do. Listen. I've noticed that over the years, and, and, and just recently, my eyes got open to this even more and more in my own life and us. And, and, and this is, this part of it, this is not like a rebuke or hard thing. This is something that really, uh, that, that I want everybody to be free from. That, that, cause I struggled with this for years. You know, in church, we can do all the right things. We can come to church. We can go to life group. We can, we can raise our hands. We can worship. We can do all these things. We can say we're Christian. We say we know, even like as I was saying, know that God loves us with head knowledge, read it, quote the scriptures. But I've seen many Christians still tr- struggle with their identity and who they are in Christ as a son, as a daughter of our heavenly father. All of that stuff is great. We need to do all of that stuff. But that has nothing to do with our position as sons and daughters in the house. Are y'all following me? I love what verse 31 says. His father said to him, look, dear son, you stayed with me always. He said, my dear son, you stay with me always. He, he didn't say, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you doing this and doing that and not doing this and that. Did the father say that? The father didn't say any of that about what he did. He didn't commend them for doing that. He said, my dear son, you stay with me always. The father was affirming him with love and acceptance as his son. He was affirming the love for him. The same reason he accepted the prodigal back was the same reason he loved the older brother. It's because they were sons. I heard one preacher say about the prodigal when the prodigal ran back and said, father, I, 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 I sinned against you in heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. You know, I heard somebody say, you know, he never was worthy to be called a son because he was his son, right? 
My son could never do anything more to be my son. My daughters could never do anything. I mean, if he makes all-stars and hits home runs in baseball, that's great, but he's not going to be any more my son. Are y'all tracking with me? And guess what? He struggled a little bit this year in baseball. He moved to a different league and he struggled. I don't love him any less because he struggled and what he was doing. When he messes up around us, when he's disobedient to me, my children, when they're disobedient to me, I don't love them any less as my children. Parents out there, are y'all tracking with me? You don't love your kids any less when they do more or don't do more. I, a lot of y'all have heard me say this. The Lord spoke to me. This was a, a, a game changer for me, a life-changing moment. And I don't say that lightly. And a lot of y'all have heard it before, so forgive me, but it was such a powerful, impacting thing for me when, when I really struggled with my identity as a youth pastor. I never forget a time I was praying and I was wanting to all, see all kinds of things done and accomplished what I thought of success. I didn't feel like I was being successful. And I'll never forget where I was in a time of prayer. The Lord spoke to me and he said, if you would have more, I wouldn't love you more. And if you would do less, I wouldn't love you any less. He spoke that directly to me and I, I, it was a game changer. I realized that my identity was as a son of God, a son of the Most High through Christ. My identity came in him and him alone. My dear son, you've always been with me. The, the, once again, the, the reason he brought the prodigal back in is because he was his son and he loved him unconditional. He loved his other son. That was great. I'm sure it made him proud. As parents, we're proud when our kids do the right thing, right? When they do good, we're proud of them. I'm sure he was proud. He said, you've always been with me. So he was, you know, like, yeah, you've done all these things. But listen... It was my dear son. In essence, the father was saying, that's great. You've done all these things, but everything I have is yours because you are mine. You need to hear that today. Everything the father has is yours because you are his. Not because what you do or what you've done. And, and, and that's all great. The things we do are great. We need the Bible talks about that. But right now, and I'm talking about where, where, where's your identity? I've seen it where, where, where church has become such a performance and a appearance driven thing. It has. I know that, I know that's hard to hear, but a lot of, of, of church entity in America is performance driven and it's appearance driven. I want to look the right way. I want to act the right way. I want to talk the right way. Like I was saying earlier, I always talk the right way at church. When I got off the phone with my wife that day, that wasn't church talk that came out. Right? <laughs> so you get to church, I, I, I would never say nothing like that at church. Right? But it's, it's you know, and so we got we to gotta understand, not that we, we, we shouldn't. I mean, I, look, I always preach them all about holiness and purity and whatnot. But those things don't make us and break us in our relationship with the Father. That's why he sent his son to die, because he knew he would never live up to that standard. Even the most righteous, the whoever you can, the, the Billy Graham in your mind could never live up. Jesus had to die for Billy Graham, too. And it's amazing because Billy Graham said that. He said, as he got older, he said, as you get older, what, what's, what's something you can say? He said, the, he said the, um, the older I get, I'm paraphrasing, don't quote me, but he said something like, the older I get, the more I see my need for the Lord. You would think Billy Graham, who won millions of souls, would be like, well, you know, I mean, I've done this. He said, the older I get, the more I realize my need for the Lord. He realized that, you know, we, we can't do it on our own, but that's, that's the awesome part. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm communicating this to you. The awesome part is, is that we're sons, we're daughters. And, 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 I, and I'll, I'll, I'm gonna bring this point home with this. You know, uh, 
the scripture I'm about to read, a lot of y'all are familiar with it, but remember, remember, I remember somebody pointed this out to me, how good it was. And once again, in my journey with this identity and all this stuff, how good it was. The scripture I'm about to read, you got to remember that Jesus had, hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't had any kind of public ministry. He hadn't, nothing recorded that we see any miracles or anything like that. And remember, Jesus is God's son and we're sons and daughters as well, right? Right? The father feels the same way. We are his sons. We are, the, the Bible even says that he's our older brother and that we're co-heirs with Christ. So listen what Matthew 3, 16 and 17 says. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending as a dove and lightning on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven said this, you've done a lot of good things and I can't wait till you can do more. That's not what your Bible says. My, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He hadn't done anything yet, y'all. Jesus hadn't done anything. He was affirming him as his son. It's the same for us. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are the, 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 the Lord's children, just as Jesus was. I want to read this last line in a few different translations of Doug. If you can put him up in the different translations as I read through him so we can get the full picture. As I started looking at him, listen to this. The, 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 um, good news. This is my own dear son in who I'm well pleased. The good, uh, the, well, I'll just read through them. You can see him up there. This is my son whom I love, my son whom I am pleased. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. This is my son chosen, marked by my love, delight of my life. Did you hear all that? Well pleased, my own, whom I love, dearly loved, brings me great joy and the delight of my life. Do you know that God feels that way about you? This is the way that he, he feels about you. Listen, this parable was open-ended. It doesn't record the older brother's response to, to what the father said at the end. Like, you've always been with me. We had to rejoice. So it was open-ended, you see, because remember Jesus was, in that day, this parable was to the Pharisees, still had a chance to respond to Jesus' offer to the kingdom. And listen, so do you. If you've been living under a, a maybe a performance or appearance-driven Christianity, if you've struggled with your identity, today's the day for you to have a, a, a transform, a transforming shift in your life. Amen? Why don't you stand up with me as we close? Maybe it's been a long time since you've heard how the Lord truly feels about you. I want to encourage you, if that's you today, if you, if you don't always see yourself as being the love, the delight, the adored, the, the you know, your dear, his dearly loved son or daughter. I want you to respond just as, as Jesus was getting the, trying to get the, the Pharisees to respond to the truths of the kingdom. I want to encourage you to respond today to the love, the acceptance, and the approval of the Father. Because if you are, uh, if you are a, a child through faith in Christ, you don't have to work for it. You already have it. Amen? See, the Bible says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means that we are in right standing with him. Once we accept Christ, once we surrender, we're in right standing. And a big part of that right standing is that we, the sonship, that we are adopted in. That we are adopted. And anybody in here has any adopted kids? Let me see your hand if you do. Any adopted kids? I see a few people in here. Okay. And I've heard this. I heard, matter of fact, it was, it was when I heard, I heard Willie Robinson say this, that he didn't understand about this until he adopted a son. And he said, I see it now. 
That's why I can say that everything that, that he said about Jesus and that scripture, he feels about us. I remember Willie saying, you know, because we, he has like three or four biological kids and he adopted a son. And he said, I don't feel any less love for my adopted child than I do my biological child. And he said, it made me understand because the Bible says we were adopted in, right? Right? So you can say, yeah, but Brandon, that was Jesus. That was his only son. But we're adopted in. Those of y'all with adopted children, do you have any less love? No, you feel the same. He feels the same about you. You need to accept the love, the approval, like where we started. He's pursuing you with that love, that acceptance, that approval. Your identity is in him, not what you do. Listen, if you haven't put your faith in Christ, or you're like the prodigal son and you need to come back, home. You need to respond to his call of salvation. I'm going to read just those couple of verses from earlier that Pastor Todd hit on last week. So he returned home to his father and while he was still afar off. This is the prodigal. The father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Listen, even if you are far off or you don't feel worthy to be called his son or daughter, he sees you where you are. And he's waiting with open arms. Matter of fact, he's running towards you. Because it doesn't say he waited, right? It says that the father ran when he saw. I love that. He says when he was still afar off. See, again, the self-righteous Brandon would think like, well, man, there ain't no way that that guy's coming here. I, I still see him doing this, 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 and this. He barely comes to church. He's still afar off. But Jesus said when the father sees you afar off, he runs to you. He don't wait for you to get here at this altar. He's running towards you. Because he sees your heart that's turning towards them. Some of y'all, your hearts are being turned back towards the Lord right now. Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed, do me a favor and just bow in reverence and respect for those around you. You may have never, you might feel like the prodigal because you've never felt the warm embrace and the forgiveness of the Father. That scripture, the prodigal son, shows that he forgave him. Jesus came down, he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. If you've said, Brandon, I don't know if I'm in the Father's house, if I'm right with God, I, I feel like I'm far off. I feel like I'm far from God, but I want to get right. And I thought that I had to clean up, but but now that I now that you say this, I feel far off. My heart's pumping and, and, and drawing me towards the Lord, and I want to get right with God. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. If that's you, slip your hand up. I want to see your hand, and I want to pray for you. I see hands going up over here. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? It says, I feel far off. I want to get right with the Lord. I see your hands back here. Anyone else? Okay, I see hands over here too. You might say, Brandon, I was once, you know, with the Lord. I slid back, man, and I'm like that product. I was in the house, but I left. I want to come back and get right. If that's you, lift your hands to the Lord. Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, let's pray. Y'all do me a favor. All those with your hands up, we're going to pray this prayer with you. If you generally, I know you, the Lord's drawing you, and you want to get your life back with the Lord, just simply repent. I'll lead you in a simple prayer. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I know I've gone away from you. I know I turned away from you. But Lord, today, I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I put my faith and trust in you. I believe in the provision of the cross that Jesus made for me. Lord, come into my life. Fill me. Cleanse me. Give me the grace. Give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God glory for those that have just gotten right with the Lord. God bless y'all. God bless y'all.
The story of the prodigal and the older brother is some of, one of the most powerful parables in the Bible. 